new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And now officially we can say that the Patriots have not placed the franchise tag on cornerback J.C. Jackson. Jackson headed to the open market next week and not tagged by New England. Uh, We are going to get to some of the other tags around the league, what those mean for the Patriots, and obviously the Russell Wilson trade breaking all NFL news here today. And Aaron Rodgers got one up, right? It felt like that was going to be the news of the day. And then here comes Russell Wilson getting traded to the Denver Broncos. We will also cover that. But just we knew this was coming. This was expected for a long time here, a couple weeks, really, since the combine last week is when we really got the official word from Ian Rappaport that this was the expectation. But the Patriots elected not to franchise uh, J.C. Jackson and, and letting him go to the open market. I would categorize it at this point that J.C. Jackson has priced himself out of New England. Now, this could come back, right? They don't know officially that J.C. has a deal out there that is going to price him out of being a New England Patriot. So I wouldn't shock me. Uh, Crazier things have happened than the Patriots jumping back into this late when J.C. Jackson officially becomes a free agent next week. But as of right now, no tag, and it looks very, very unlikely that he's going to be back in New England next season, Alex. Yeah, and I mean, we've kind of known this the last couple days. Again, I'm overall surprised with the result just because of, not even like JC's a great player, but in addition to that, who they have behind him. But let's see. Here we go. This is a kind of you know in Bill we trust moment. He's he's going against the curve, and you know yeah. he's hit sometimes in these situations. Sometimes they 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 haven't been kind to him. So we don't know the whole picture here. What's the next move, right? I'm not going to sit here and say definitively. Oh, this is brilliant, or oh, this is awful. A lot of this is, you know. What do you, you know, what do you do with it, right? What are you going to do with this opportunity? Where does the money go? How do you improve the cornerback position? But, you know, I, I was operating throughout most of the offseason under the assumption J.C. Jackson would be back. So I, I'm overall surprised. Yeah, I think it's interesting that after last year, after uncharacteristically aggressive, I'm glad that I can say that again in some capacity. After uncharacteristically aggressive, it did feel like the Patriots were operating a little bit differently than how they operated during the Tom Brady era, letting JC Jackson walk and replacing him with a player through the draft or through even free agency. That's a fraction of the cost. That's a Belichick move in the Brady era. That's how they used to operate during the Tom Brady era in new England, where they let Ty law go. They let Asante Samuel go. They let Akeem Tlaib go. They let, Malcolm Butler go right. And the list goes on and on and on. That used to be how they would operate. Then I thought after last off season that this might be a little bit different. And I specifically thought that having a quarterback that you feel good about being your franchise quarterback and a guy like Mac Jones would change the fact that they aren't paying the quarterback 25 plus million dollars a year. And they would be willing to move this money around elsewhere, right? And they would be willing to give out those big contracts and have the position players being at the very top of the ledger instead of the quarterback. And this move with J.C. Jackson tells me that the old Bill Belichick, who looks for value, who doesn't want to overpay his own guys, that doesn't want to be stuck with a bad contract, 
as ironic as it is, given some of the contracts they signed last offseason, that guy's still here. He, he still exists in some capacity at the Patriots didn't operate like they did last offseason with Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar and some of the other contracts that they gave out that now in hindsight look a little bit questionable. And that's where I find it to be the most interesting is that because they had all this money last year, they were comfortable with taking a little bit of risk on with some of those free agent additions, but they weren't comfortable taking on a little bit risk for one of their own guys. And I'm not saying that they're going to, really regret this necessarily it's not anything crazy like they're losing the locker room over any of these moves but i do find it interesting that the old bill has come back a little bit in these negotiations and now all of a sudden they are getting fiscally smart in their mind right they're they're chasing value and they're not gonna reset the cornerback market for a guy that's probably in the five to ten tier of cornerbacks in the nfl but he's not the best cornerback in the NFL. So in the Patriots' eyes, we're not going to compensate him like he's Jalen Ramsey because he's not Jalen Ramsey, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, that's they, they do a tier. They don't they put less value in I don't know what the term would be. I guess it would be inflation, right? Right. You know, guys who aren't necessarily the best at the position will get the most money because the cap goes up. It's about percentage of the cap, right? Right. They're not going to necessarily put the value in that. They're going to say this is what Jay, this is what you know Jalen Ramsey's making. It doesn't matter what salary cap he signed it under. You're not better than him. We're not paying you more than that. That's kind of I think what this comes down to. Right. So now the question is not that we didn't expect this. I first thing I want to ask you: Do you think that there's any chance? And when I say any chance, obviously there's always a chance of anything happen. But is there an actual decent percentage chance that J.C. Jackson hits the open market next week? The Patriots survey the field. Jackson comes back to them, like we've seen with Devin McCourty, like we've seen with Dante Hightower in the past, and says, I got $18 million per year on the table from the Chargers, from the Raiders, whoever it ends up being, and the Patriots actually go out and match it. Is there a chance that they're letting the market dictate his value instead of bidding against themselves, which is what they would be doing right now because technically nobody can actually negotiate with J.C. Jackson so there is a potential that they don't want to give him $20 million a year because they're not sure anybody else would give him $20 million a year. Right. I mean, it, look, is it technically possible? Yes. Like, I think that's their thought process, right? right. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to get the bag. I think he's going to get 20. Right. Because you look at the teams that need a corner, they have cap space, the Chargers, the Raiders. I mean, and, and boy, in that AFC West now, and I'm sure we'll get to the Russell Wilson trade in a little bit, but yes, it, you better be able to play in the secondary if you want to win games in the AFC West, right? So those teams have all the more reason now to make J.C. Jackson their their big signing of the offseason, right? So I'm sure that the Patriots will leave that door open. Like, I could totally see them saying that, like, go out there and see what you get and come back to us with it. But I also think that, you know, it's highly like that he comes back and says, all right, I'm getting 20 million a year from the Chargers. I'm getting 21 a year from the Raiders, whatever it is. Yeah. Patriots just say, well, congratulations. You know, you did that, it. best of luck to you. Yeah. 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 You know, don't, don't, don't forget about us when you're, when you're a big shot, all that. So yeah. um, that's, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that is that I'm sure that they would, it, it, if they could match it, they'd match it. I don't think they'll be able to match it at the end of the day. Dude's about to get paid. 
I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. The crazy thing about it is, too, is that if you look at and I get mock drafts are not always accurate and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at some of the positions that some of the contenders in the AFC are targeting, a lot of these uh, people and a lot of people around the league anticipate the Kansas City Chiefs are going to add another receiver to that already ridiculous offense yeah right? like, i saw a list i was shocked i i was because i was writing about the russell wilson trade how about yeah. this i was looking at you know top three landing spots for dk metcalf yeah kansas city's number one on that list right now the chiefs are clearly interested in adding another receiver i think they feel like too much is on the plate to tyree kill and, Ta- and travis kelsey which and, might be right yeah they <laughs> might be right they don't want to go the route like in 07 with the Patriots, remember in 09, actually 07 was a different thing. Remember in 09 when Bill, Bill Belichick said, we have Randy Moss over the top, we have Wes Welker underneath, and the, everybody knows it's all we have, right? That's right. kind of where the Chiefs are at with their offense now, where if they go out and they add that third guy, they were in on Odell Beckham as well, right? They've been trying to add this third guy. So you look at the Chiefs, they're trying to add another guy. The Buffalo Bills are rumored to add another guy as well. A lot of people think that they're going to be interested in wide receivers in the draft because Stephon Diggs is getting up there in age. Cole Beasley is seeking a trade. Isaiah McKenzie is a free agent. So the Bills, the Chiefs, they're looking for receiver help. The Patriots are sitting here letting their best cornerback walk. Russell Wilson gets traded to the AFC to put another contender in there in Denver where do the Patriots go from here? It's a really interesting situation. And I don't want to do the whole coaching staff thing right now, but you put that on top of all of this, that their roster has holes and they don't have an offensive coordinator. It's, it's starting to get a little bit bleak and I'm not somebody that typically is the sky is falling. So I I just wonder where they go with here, go from here in the secondary, because specifically at corner and I know that we do this with wide receiver and and I think that that's somewhat true but the fact is is that the Patriots haven't haven't really identified or drafted very many receivers early in the draft right they they, they drafted Nikhil Harry as the first time they've ever drafted a first round pick in the Bill Belichick era they've tried to draft corners early they've tried to go after corners specifically as we all know in the second round and they haven't done well with it. They've had way more busts on second round DBs and corners as they've had hits, way more. And at this point, if you draft Kair Elam, if you draft Andrew Booth Jr., I like both of those players as prospects, but are they ready 
to match up against Stephon Diggs? Are they ready to match up against Jalen Waddell? Are they ready to go up in a playoff game against Russell Wilson? And that's where we're sitting at right now. And I look at the landscape of the corners and free agency. Do you want to pay significant money to Tredavious Ward? Do you want to pay significant money to Carlton Davis? Do you want to pay significant money to Dante Jackson, who's not a very good corner, right? I mean, <laughs> you're very diplomatic about that. Where are we going with this, Alex? That like talk me off the ledge because you know I'm not really a ledge person, right? Like I don't really do this, but talk me off the ledge about the Patriots right now because I look around this AFC and I start to wonder unless Bill just does Bill Belichick things all next year or Mac Jones takes a major leap forward, both things potentially possible. The AFC playoff race uh, right now, and I get it's March and I get it's early. You, it's it's getting harder and harder to see the Patriots as a playoff team, right? I mean, it's it's getting a lot more bleak now that I would say that all these things are happening around the Patriots. JC Jackson's probably not going to be here. Where do they go from here? Yeah, so I mean, we can we can go micro and macro with this. Where do you want? Where do you want to start? Micro, macro. I want to start Big with picture, small picture. I'm, let's go macro. We're in a macro time of the season, so. Okay. Um, I so first off, I think, and actually, you'll like this. This is more your thing than my thing. Yeah. I wonder if they're looking at what's going on around the league, and just saying, you know what, I'd rather spend that money on offense than defense. Yeah. Let's go get it. Let's go get a receiver. You know, let's let's really upgrade that third down back. Let's get a guy who you know, like a Jarek McKinnon, who can really be a threat. Right. And and let's let's try to turn this thing into a, into a track meet. Now I don't know that that's the best direction for them to go. Yeah. Um. But that that's you know because the whole again I said it before the whole thing with the Jay Z Jackson situation is it's not just you know him letting him go letting him walk is half the equation. Right. That's only half of the story. That's all we have right now. So that's what we're going on. But right. what do you do with that money? How do you right. fill that role? You know, if they fill that role with Carlton Davis and then they go out, and they use, you know, the money and the difference to, to go and sign a, a wide receiver to go upgrade their wide receivers or go get a back or something. Or maybe that's how they bring Trent Brown back. You keep that offensive line together right with that money. And then they, they come out. Look, they, for, for as much as we talked about the growing pains offensively last year, they were sixth in the league in scoring. And yeah. No, I think they, that they're close on offense. Right. I honestly now, do think they're close. They played some bad teams, right? They yeah. they ran, ran up 50 Everybody on the Jags. They played some bad teams, though. They, right. They fair. ran up 50 on the Jags. Exactly. What did the Bills score against the Jags? Was it six? Right. Was it three or six? Right. And you don't get to six in scoring in the National Football League in two games. I agree with you. I think they're closer offensively before this move, like assuming JC Jackson comes back, they're closer defensively than they were offensively. Maybe they're flipping that. So that, you know, the other thing is in terms of playoff, I understand it adds another probably double digit win team to the AFC. Right. Patriots don't play the Broncos this year. And the reality is all those AFC West teams are going to beat up on each other. So I don't like big, big picture or or big picture in terms of 20, the 2022 season. I don't feel like this makes the Patriots extremely more or less likely to make the playoffs. If they play Denver, right, in a game that, you know, if they play Denver, right, that's a game that probably would have been a win now is probably a loss. Now I'm a little more concerned. I actually, I, I saw somebody say we're going to see, you know, 
see four 10 win, four 10 win teams, three 12 win teams in the AFC West. Yeah. I don't think so. They've got tough schedules on their own and they're all going to beat up on each other. other. Right. So when you're talking about the wild card, I, I, you know, I think it's a wash. I think it's ultimately a wash. Okay. So I'm with you that I don't think that it's automatic that, that the AFC West is just going to dominate the AFC and all that kind of stuff. You mentioned something about wide receivers though. And I think that honestly, that's where a lot of the tea leaves that you hear of and a lot of the things that you read into, that's where I feel like the Patriots in the veteran market, because when you look at the cornerback market, there's one move that I think they might be in on if it becomes available for a little to no cost. And that is flipping a day three pick to the giants for James Bradbury, who is a solid man cover corner starting corner in the league, a veteran stopgap at that spot, right? Where you put him in there, he's making 13 and a half million dollars next year. It's a one year, 13 and a half million dollar deal. And you use a guy like James Bradbury as a bridge to Kair Elam or as a bridge to Andrew Booth Jr. or wherever it ends up being that you draft uh, in April. But wide receiver, I think, is an interesting one because it's very clear to me from people that you talk to, from everything that you read, that the Patriots would like to upgrade Nelson Aguilar in this offense. Not only would they like to upgrade Nelson Aguilar, but specifically we've been talking a lot about slot receivers, Because that's New England. Julian Edelman, Troy Brown, Wes Welker, Deion Branch. That's the Patriots. I think internally, they feel pretty good about bringing Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne back to be the Z in the slot, right? The the two and the three, basically, in the offense. And one of those guys playing a lot inside. Probably Jacoby with Kendrick Bourne going inside-outside. The spot that I think that they feel they're most lacking is on the outside receiver and I also think that it's not just a 2022 issue. I think they also look at it and they see we have nobody under contract that can play full-time outside X in 2023 and beyond either because Nikhil Harry's not getting his fifth-year option with the Patriots, obviously, and Nelson Aguilar is on an expiring contract. So they don't have a whole lot of outside receivers that are under contract beyond this year. With all that being said, it could be in the draft, but based off of what's going on on defense, the fact that they're losing probably at least a couple of linebackers and J.C. Jackson. Ideally, I think that they would like to go defense in the draft, especially early in the draft, which yeah. leads us to the one big move. If they do make a big move in the offseason in terms of free agency or the trade market to be wide receiver. And you mentioned that you think the Patriots are closer. I think they're much closer on offense than they are in defense because offensively they're returning 11 starters, maybe 12. If you want to call Johnny Smith a starter, right? They're returning, even though they're losing potentially Trent Brown or Ted Karras, they have Mike on Wendy. So they're, they're basically more starting caliber offensive line coming back is how I phrased it. Right. So they essentially have their entire starting offense under contract next year. And if you swap a guy like Nelson Aguilar out and you put an upgrade into that spot, then the offense is obviously going to improve. And I I think they are hopeful that Kendrick Bourne's going to improve in year two, that John Smith will hopefully give you more in year two. Obviously that Mac is going to be better in year two. 
So I look at all these things offensively and I say they're one big piece away from being a, a very good offense. Uh, and I think that that's the move that they ultimately make in free agency. But today with the franchise tag deadline, we saw Devontae Adams tagged. We saw Chris Godwin tagged. And we saw Mike Williams sign an extension with the Los Angeles Chargers. So three of the top receivers in free agency are off the board. Amari Cooper is expected to be a free agent once he's cut by the Dallas Cowboys, but he's going to be the number one guy. He's going to get $18 million a year. So all those types of things, who in this market do you see? And I know I'm not talking myself into Robbie Anderson, uh, <laughs> but who in this market do you see as a, a legitimate, not Robbie Anderson level upgrade to that X receiver spot? Because if there's a big move coming for this team this offseason, I, I truly feel that that's the spot that it's going to be at. Well, so you saw me in the background trying to get my my column posted. I just wrote about this for 98.5 The Sports Hub. And this is what I was in 98.5 The Sports Hub.com. I was talking about you want to get into the micro of how this can be good yeah. news for the Patriots, right? Somebody beat me to it in the comments. Thank you very much for reading. Uh, that That's going to be a fire sale. That's going to be a yeah. fire sale in Seattle. I know everybody wants to talk about DK Metcalf. I'll get to him in a minute. More realistically, Tyler Lockett. Now, Tyler Lockett's a bit smaller He's than a you might want. As yeah. an X, well, so is is he like a true? I, I think he could play the X in their system because he has that yeah. speed, right? Okay. He's fast enough. I think they would like how much how good of a route runner he is. Right, uh, he's only thirty years old, or he'll turn thirty in September. He's not even thirty yet. Uh, and Andrew Callahan brought this up on Twitter, so he has three more years on his deal, but he would carry a three million dollar cap hit next year if he's acquired after June first. He'd actually have less of a cap hit than Nikhil Harry. And then the remaining money on the deal is there's no more guaranteed money after 2022. So I almost look at it at, and I know he's not quite the same player, but it's, you know, the Calvin Ridley door closed yesterday. Right. Is this another door opening? And now he, again, he's not the traditional X he's not, but I think his speed and route running ability to, you know, route running ability. They've always valued yes. speed is something. Now they're starting to put more stock in. You know, you're not going to get somebody who checks every box. Those guys just don't become available. That's the reality of life in the NFL. Would they sacrifice the size at that spot for the speed and, and the route running ability to plug in Tyler Lockett there? I think he'd ultimately be an upgrade over yeah. Nelson Aguilar. The other thing is you could do a lot of weird formational stuff because you could, you, you know, you could have him at the X and Bourne at the Z. You could also flip him, right, and have Bourne at the X and, and, and Lockett at the Z and get weird with that. So right. I, you know, is he, the, is he exactly what you want? No, but I think he'd be an upgrade over Aguilar. I think he's somebody who will be available. And I think he's somebody who would fit relatively seamlessly into the system. So I love the system fit. I think he's a really good fit for his route running ability, his speed. The one route that he loves to run that he runs in Seattle all the time is the deep over, right? The deep crossing right. route. That's his money route. And that typically is an inside route, but that doesn't mean that they can't get creative with it. And I, I, every time I say get creative with it, I think, well, they don't have a freaking offensive coordinator. So I don't really know how creative they're really getting with it this year, but they have that ability. I think to line up both of those guys, like a, a born and a locket together and make it work. I, I do think that they can make that work complimentary wise, but from everything that I've heard and been told, 
the Patriots are are consistently chasing the big outside receiver. And I'm not necessarily saying I don't even know if the Seattle Seahawks would be interested in trading DK Metcalf. Like I I, I don't I don't know where that fits into their rebuild if they feel like DK is going to be here with the next quarterback or not, or if DK forces his way out of Seattle or not, those are all different things, right? That, 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 that complicates things certainly, but the the thing with DK real quick. Yeah. He's 25. He's entering the last year of his deal. So you're going to have to give up something quality to get him. Yes. That's the biggest problem. You're well, you're probably also going to have to pay him. And I'd imagine he's going to want top of the market wide receiver money. He I just yes. right yeah no like rightfully so uh, one I could see Seattle sticking with him because he, here's the thing Lockett's thirty Lockett's not making it through the rebuild by the time the rebuild's done he's thirty three right. he's cooked Metcalf on the other side of the rebuild is going to be twenty seven twenty eight right in his prime you're going to ultimately try to get a guy like that for your young quarterback anyway that's what we're talking about the Patriots doing right now I it's I I think. Uh, Metcalf would still be incredibly, incredibly expensive, both in terms of what it's going to take to get him and then to pay him. Whereas Lockett already has a deal that's pretty team friendly. He's probably not making it through this rebuild. So Seattle is going to be more willing to part ways with him. So there's for every reason, Tyler Lockett makes more sense from the page from a Patriots perspective. I think the biggest one is if DK Metcalf is on the block the amount of draft capital that teams are going to be willing to give up for DK Metcalf is going to be a lot more than the Patriots are going to be willing to give up for DK Metcalf. Right. I mean, Seattle might legitimately get two first round picks for DK Metcalf. There's no way. There's no way Bill Belichick is paying two first round picks for a wide receiver and then paying that guy there. It's just, unless he was Randy Moss, like I'm not seeing it. Right. Well, what they're going to do if, if Seattle's smart, what they'll do is say, well, we gave up two firsts for Jamal Adams, and he's right. actually not that great. So that's where we're starting with DK Metcalf. Like, that's what they'll say if they're smart. But from a size, pro, the way that DK Metcalf profiles, I right. think is still the guy, the golden goose for the Patriots. I still think that that's the guy that they want to get. They want to get a big X receiver on the outside that can win outside the numbers that can win over the top of the defense. And I don't think that that's Tyler Lockett. I I, I think that their dream scenario is to acquire somebody like DK Metcalf. Now, the other thing that somebody said in the chat just now was, well, aren't there better options in the draft? And undoubtedly there's great options in the draft. I mean, we've talked about the draft receivers ad nauseum here on the show. The concern that we always have with the Patriots is drafting wide receivers is can they develop that guy? Can they use him properly? Can they get him to be successful? And I actually think the Patriots, based off of their free agent moves last offseason, based off the fact that they've kicked the tires already on some of these X wideouts this year, feel kind of the same way. Like, yeah, we could draft a Chris Olave. We could draft a Traylon Burks. We could draft a Drake London. But are those guys actually going to turn out to be good in our system? Are we going to be able to develop them? Are we going to be able to bring them along? Are we going to be able to use them right away in 2022 and get the same level of production as if we bring in a veteran option? I honestly think that they're getting to the point. And on top of all of that, then you drop Chris Olave with 21. Well, now where are you taking your corner and where are you taking your linebacker and where are you filling the holes on defense? So I I really think that they would like to go the veteran route if they can to upgrade at wide receiver, just because they feel more comfortable 
scouting and evaluating pro prospect to pro offense versus college to pros based off of their track record. But again, like that guy you're describing, right? If they want the big, fast, physical, true, dominant X, like that, that guy's not available. Teams right. that have that guy are keeping that guy, right? With Calvin Ridley, that was a fluke thing where, where he asked out. There's no other receivers asking out right now. So if that's the guy they want, then they have to, it's not going to happen this year. Unless again, they, they go through the draft, which I, I think you make a good case for not doing that through the draft this year. So now it's, well, where are you settling? Are you right. going to settle on the size? Lock it. Are you going to settle on the route running ability? Robbie Anderson, right? right. Like that, that's just, you're not going to get the guy you want. You're not going to get the guy you want. That's just the way it works. So um, let me, let me put it to you this way. Same, assuming the same price. Who would you rather have Tyler Lockett, Robbie Anderson, or keep Nelson Aguilar? I would probably lean towards Lockett in that situation uh, pretty heavily, but ultimately again, I, I just don't think that Lockett has enough size for what they want. I, I just think that they want somebody that can win with size outside the numbers and I or just be a pure well, X, right? Like a guy like Amari. Well, Cooper, then it's Robbie be too expensive, but too ex- so know. then it's Robbie Anderson. So the only other name that I want to throw out, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more and dive deeper into the free agency class on Thursday, but the only name I would also throw out there is Allen Robinson, who they were prepared last year to make an offer to Allen Robinson. The Bears franchise tagged him. They did a lot of homework on Allen Robinson. They looked into Allen Robinson free agency last year. They were prepared to go to market with him. The Bears end up franchise tagging him, and it ends up now – coming to fruition when you look at over the cap they project that Allen robinson's gonna get a three-year 15 million dollar per year deal and although that sounds on the surface like it's too much money for the patriots if they spread the cap hits out they backload the contract i actually think that they could get a three-year 45 million dollar deal under the cap for Allen robinson so if they want to go that route they want some more size they want some of those type of things I think Allen Robinson's probably the best case scenario out of that group. Certainly better than Robbie Anderson, right? So uh, that's where I'm at with it. I know that you're not super high on Allen Robinson. You can you can tell us why. I I agree that the age and the injury history is a concern. I, I think that those are the two things that are probably the biggest concerns in all those things. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just worried about the you know the drop in production. He's going to be 20. I think he'll be 29 at the start of the season. He'll turn 29 in camp. And look, I get I, I get Chicago's offense was an absolute mess last year. Like, I yeah. totally understand that. But, man, 38 catches for 400 yards and a touchdown in 11 games. That's – it feels like a red flag to me. He really – it's been a few years – no, never mind. Take that back. He had 1,200 yards last year. I don't know why I thought there were two of those years in there. Um, I just I just worry about the lack of pressure. year. What was it? And that's – you know – I'm not watching the Chicago bears closely on a week to week basis. They are right. So maybe they see what the issue was. Somebody in the chat says it was fields. Like maybe that's it. I think that's part of it again, but even playing with a bad quarterback, like I look at, you know, Zach Wilson wasn't great last year. To be fair, he's played with bad quarterbacks his whole career and has always produced. Absolutely. But so for instance, I I just got to pull the numbers up here. I got to find them real quick. I look at what Corey Davis did last year. Corey Davis yeah. was not playing with a good quarterback last year. Corey Davis was not playing in a good offense last year. And he had, thanks NFL.com for being super fast and helping me make my point. 
he basically matched Allen Robinson's numbers playing two fewer games. Right. So even the, the standard of play, like Allen Robinson open market should be a better receiver than Corey Davis, but both playing with bad quarterbacks, Davis put up better. like, even for what the situation was right. The numbers still feel lower than they should be. And I'm like, I'm wondering why I'm not necessarily saying definitely don't go after him. I'm saying and if they were, you know, if they're going to pursue him, I'll, I'll look more into it. But the, the numbers worry me even for what the situation was. Yeah, I think the, the thing with Allen Robinson that you like, though, is he's definitely one of those guys that is a great route runner, especially at the line of scrimmage. Great release package, great ability to create separation early in the route. Pretty good contested catch receiver, too. Like, if he doesn't create separation down the field, he's got a catch radius. He's got that ability to win contested catches, and he can play inside and outside. So he's somebody that I think checks a lot of their boxes. The last name that I would look at at this wide receiver market again in the news today, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams off the board for the Patriots, either franchise tagged or extended by the Los Angeles Chargers. In Williams' case, we both love this guy. I know he's got some mixed reviews from Patriots fans, but the idea of bringing Brandon Cooks back for a year oh, makes yeah. a lot of sense, honestly, because I think Brandon Cooks is a better player than Nelson Aguilar is. His contract Absolutely. is comparable. It's one more year, base salary of $12.5 million. So it's a, a $12.5 million cap hit for the team. Acquiring him can be up to worth up to $13 million, basically the same exact money as Nelson Aguilar. I think he's younger than Aguilar too, right? He's 28. Uh, he is 29 years old right now. Who, Aguilar? Brandon Cooks. Oh, Cooks uh, Cooks is six months younger. Yeah, so I this younger. has been thrown out a lot. I've never been, like, fully on board with it just because I didn't think the Patriots were fully on board with the reunion necessarily. But now I feel like it does have a little bit more traction because Brandon Cooks in Houston makes zero sense. They're not going to have Deshaun Watson back. If he does come back to play football, he's not playing for the Texans. It just doesn't make any sense to have that type of player at 29 years old in a rebuilding team. They'd much rather, as they should, give those reps to a younger receiver that is potentially a part of their future. So bringing Brandon Cooks back for a year, I think would make a whole lot of sense for the Patriots as well. He's an upgrade over Nelson Aguilar. Maybe you then draft somebody in that X receiver mold, maybe not with your top pick, but maybe a third or fourth rounder on some sort of X receiver, uh, you know, prospect that could develop into a starter down the road. And you bridge that gap with Brandon Cooks for the time being. I just like Brandon Cooks, the idea of it, because I just think he's better than Nelson Aguilar, though. That, that's ultimately what I what I think this is. And you don't have to worry about any of the projections and stuff like that because you know exactly how he fits. I, are, where's Brit, the Brandon Cooks stuff coming from, though? I feel like the only time I ever see his name is in our chat. Like, I'm all for bringing him back, but I haven't really seen... It's, there's nothing real... There's no real traction to this other than the fact that it just doesn't make sense for him to stay in Houston. It doesn't make sense okay. for the Texans, and it doesn't make sense for Brandon Cooks. So if he does become I kind of figured... Yeah, I, I kind of figured. I just want to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Because, uh, again, I'm all for... Like, I'm a huge Brandon... I'm a huge Brandon Cooks guy going back to New Orleans. I said at the time, and by the way, I think I was vindicated in this take. When when the Saints traded Brandon Cooks to the Patriots, they did so because him and Michael Thomas weren't happy playing with right. each other. They basically didn't think there were enough catches to go around. Yeah. I said at the time they traded the wrong receiver. I think I might have been right in that. I know Michael Thomas had that one great season, but he hasn't played in two years. 
Brandon Cooks, steady production, thousand yard guy. So I'll take Brandon Cooks back in a second. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is not yielding a second round pick. Like you can get Brandon Cooks out of Houston for a day three pick. I, I don't think that he's somebody that's going to get then a what's huge the return. I don't know. That's a good question. If that if that trades out there, I think that's that one's also a possibility. So I think the two things that just kind of summarize what we're talking about here. Number one is getting an outside receiver, I think, is a priority for the team. Number two is pointing the draft in a defense direction, I think, would be the ideal scenario. And this is me talking. I just personally think that would be the ideal scenario for the Patriots because they have too many holes on that side of the football. And if they then also have to throw a receiver into that mix somehow, they just don't have the capital. They just don't have the picks to be able to fill all these holes. If they can go all defense in the draft, draft a corner, draft a linebacker, maybe draft another edge rusher, pass rusher, then they'll have that ability potentially to put this defense back together. If they have to then also throw in there that they have to draft a receiver on top of all of that and has to be early so that it's somebody that can actually make a difference. I, I just think that it gets really complicated at that point. Yeah, I'd agree. They, okay. it, 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 they veterans, the way to go there. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to Russell Wilson here for a second before we wrap this. I think the interesting, we, we talked about potentially buying guys from Seattle. Uh, I think you touched on it briefly, Alex. I know you wrote about it. Do you, how good do you think that this really makes Denver? And is this something that the Patriots, I'm not going to say need to be worried about, but you know, is this another team that the Patriots are going to have to leapfrog here? Um, well, so here's how I look at it. Right. And, and obviously Tom Brady's better than Russell Wilson, but Tom Brady stepped into a seven win bucks team two years ago. They won 11 games and won the Super Bowl. Right. Denver won seven games last year. They got great receivers, right? Great receivers. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. Love that group. I, I'm a little surprised they gave up Fant. If I were them, I would have given up the extra pick because I think Fant and Wilson would have worked really well together. And then defensively, they were the third best defense in football last year. In terms of points allowed, you look at that secondary, right? Some of the ballers they've gotten that secondary. When we saw Denver here two years ago, and I know they ultimately won the game, but we were talking then about Denver being a quarterback away. I may have hit it because I'm a big Drew Locke guy, but I think we all knew at that point. Like, you're also a big Jerry Judy guy, though, to be fair. Oh, I'm so pumped for Jerry Judy now. <laughs> you know, 1,000-yard season incoming, all that. Um, they, this team for two years has felt like they're a quarterback away. Now, again, I, I, I think the biggest detraction is the division they have to play in. Yeah. And they have to play the Chiefs twice and the Chargers twice and the Raiders twice, and that's not going to help, but – no, this is a this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender now. I I would say the Broncos are a do have a Super Bowl caliber roster. And you look at the Super Bowl winners the last two years: Brady in year one with Tampa, Matthew Stafford in year one with the Rams. Yeah, this might this might be the new blueprint. This might be the new blueprint. And yeah, there's a lot of reasons to think that that the um, the Broncos can can contend for Super Bowl. It is interesting, the the blueprint that you mentioned, because it's not just the blueprint for the teams. I think it's also potentially the blueprint for the quarterbacks, right? Is that you look around, and I don't know necessarily Denver and the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in that division. I'm not really sure what the big attraction was there for 
not only Russell Wilson, but apparently Aaron Rodgers also had Denver as his number two to Green Bay, right? So people want to go to Denver. I'm not 100% sure what it is. I think they have a good roster. I think they have a good defensive roster. Their weapons are good, not great. Maybe a good quarterback like Russell Wilson will make them look even better. We'll see. I'm not ready to crown Denver just yet. I'm just not I'm not sold on their roster talent being quite as good as maybe you are or, or other people are. I'm also not quite sold on coaching situation either. Like, do we know Nathaniel Hackett's a good coach? Or are we sure that Nathaniel Hackett's a good coach? Because Sean McVay's a good coach. Tom Brady won in spite of Bruce Arians, right? Right. You know, Andy Reid's a good coach and won with Patrick Mahomes before that. And I'm just interested to see what Nathaniel Hackett now does with Russell Wilson. Because I think one of the biggest things with Russell Wilson in Seattle, which what made it so difficult for him is he didn't always have the best coordinator running the show. Daryl Bevel was okay. Uh, Schottenheimer was worse. They didn't really ever figure out too high. Like they've had a lot of issues coaching wise in Seattle with the offense. And on top of that, Pete Carroll wants to run the football and was insistent on running the football, even though he had one of the best quarterbacks in the league and two of the best receivers in the league to throw to. So they haven't been coached well on that side of the ball. And I think one of the biggest things that you can look at about when a team's not coached well on offense is how their offensive line plays. Because if you're if you have a good coaching staff and you have a good O line coach and a good OC, then your offensive line is good. It, it just is that's how it works, right? You go down the line of all the teams that have good offensive staffs. Their O line plays well. Their offense plays well. So are we sure that Nathaniel Hackett can actually get Russell Wilson to where he needs to be? Because Seattle certainly did not. Yeah. Again, I go back to the Bucks won in spite of Bruce Arians. Yeah, but they won with Tom Brady in spite of Bruce Arians. Russell Wilson's not Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't think Daniel Hackett's going to be as bad as Bruce Arians was. <laughs> they're both kind of regressing toward, like, they're both kind of more yeah. towards the middle, if that makes sense. And look, Russell yeah. Wilson, you know, look at what he could have done. You could, Pete Carroll cost him at least one ring, right? He's kind of played with bad coaching his whole life, so he knows how to do it. <laughs> It's fair. I mean, their their coaching on offense has been terrible. I think for a long time now. I I honestly think they put up points and they put up offense because they had Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. And how can you not? Right? It's impossible not to when you have those three guys working together. But their coaching has not been very good. How about Josh McDaniels, Alex? How, how do you think he feels this morning or this afternoon about the situation that he just walked into? He thought he was going to a pretty good quarterback in Derek Carr. Now he's got the worst quarterback in his division. Yeah, I you know, I, I think he is he getting on the phone with Tom Brady? <laughs> Seeing uh how real that retirement really is. Vegas is fun. Vegas is, yeah. I, I've actually never been, but I hear it's very fun. I know. You gotta, um, you gotta get you there. I know, I gotta go. Um Super Bowl's there in what, two years? Yes. The Patriots play there this year. That's right. Yeah, I I, I wonder if he uh, regrets not taking Gerard Mayo with him. Yeah. I forget who he has as the DC. I, I can't uh, remember. No, yeah, guess, he, he got a good DC, pride him out of the Giants. Um, he, he I'll I'll look it up. It's he's got a uh he's got Patriots background as well. Um okay. yeah, uh, but uh yeah, if if you're uh Patrick Graham, that's right. Yeah, Patrick Graham, who's a, a Patriot 
roots, you know, go, goes back to New England as an assistant and, and then was with the Giants. Right. And, uh, wanted to be retained by the Giants, actually. Uh, but uh, they, they were able to steal him out there in, in Vegas. They're, they're pretty good, apparently, at poaching yeah. coaches out there. I don't know what, what they say or what they do. I guess it's Vegas, right? But, right. Um, yeah, Josh McDaniels, whether it was Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, somebody was going in that division with Denver. Somebody was taking that Broncos uh, spot as the, as the quarterback there. So now he's got the worst quarterback. He might have the worst roster overall out there. And yeah. He oh. thought he was going to this stable situation and, and this, you know, couldn't get past it up type of opportunity is what he said. Right. Well, How different, really, how different is it? He was already going to have to go through Mahomes and the chiefs. I, you know, if, 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 if that, if he didn't think he could do that, I still think the Chiefs are the best team in that division, right? Yeah. So, I like, like, I still think that division goes through Kansas City. If that's the case, if you like, if you think you can beat the Chiefs, you should believe you can beat this Broncos team. I think they're really good. I think they're damn good. I still think the Chiefs are the best team, though. I probably let me think off the top of my head here. Like, I put the Broncos in that top tier in the AFC, right? They're definitely in that top tier with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, Broncos might be two. Broncos might be two in the AFC. You I think the Broncos are better than the Chargers? It's that coach, man. It's yeah, Brandon Staley. He's going to coach. He's you like blow it for him. It matters. You hate Brandon Staley. It doesn't help. It doesn't help that one of the chokiest franchises in NFL history has maybe the chokiest coach in the league. Like that's just bad yeah. karma right there. That's why I can't. I think the Chargers are tremendously talented. Yeah. We'll see what they do. I or they got Mike Williams back. Actually, they got Mike Williams they, back. They need, they need defense. They got their their offense is loaded. They can't stop the run to save their lives. They need defense. They really don't have much of a pass rush outside right. of Joey Bosa. Either. Jordan Davis so, at seventeen. Jordan Davis's floor, I think, is seventeen to the Chargers. Yeah. I don't think he gets um, past seventeen. Item sixteen in in my mock. Put him next to Fletcher Cox in Philly. Yeah. How about that? Um, but yeah, yeah. I I just I can't believe I can't. There's two, they're the Chargers. I can't believe it. They're a very good football team. They have a ton of talent. The Chargers are the, char- the Chargers. I can't believe in them. It's been that way since like the early days of Phillip Rivers. Yeah. So it's been that way since Dan Fouts. Like, really? Not, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's been that way their entire uh, history as a franchise. All right. So uh, the, uh, the meat of, of the show today, JC Jackson found out at the four o'clock hour, not franchise tagged by the Patriots, set to be a free agent next week. Wrap it up there, Alex. Odds J.C. Jackson comes back. Are you at zero yet? Or are you at – put it on a percentage scale for me. Oh, I mean, like you said, anything can happen, but we're kind of in anything can happen territory. You know, let's put it this way. We all thought last year it was wild that David Andrews came back. Do you remember that? He was yeah. talking to the Ravens and the Dolphins, and then, like, they even signed his replacement and Ted Karras – and then I think it was Thursday, he ends up coming back to New England. We were all floored. That's that's the sun rising compared to J.C. Jackson coming back in terms of regularity. You can't rule anything out. It's the NFL. You can't rule anything out. But something monumental. There's, there's a monumental change in the nature of the league if J.C. Jackson somehow ends up back in New England. Yeah, Ben Volan on Twitter just now uh, threw out the Miami Dolphins, who actually have the most cap space in the league, I believe, or second most cap space in the league. They got a ton of cap space. Yeah, somehow. but they they still have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, right? Or is one of those guys a free agent? 
I, I, I'm pretty. Yeah, no, they have. They still have both of those guys. Yeah. So uh, he, I, he said that there's some whispers that Miami is going to. They have the second most cap space according to over the cap. The Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers one. have the most, right? The Chargers are number one at 56 million currently, and the Dolphins are number two at 52 million. Uh, then the Jets, then the Colts, then the Jaguars, then the Seahawks. So the Dolphins. You know that they like to swing big in free agency, right? Like they, they've done this in the past. They always do. Whenever they have money to spend down there in Miami, Stephen Ross spends the money. He also spends the money yeah. to bribe coaches. But that's, that's true. Yeah. Conversation well, for another day. I, I feel like if anything, they got a who's top off. First off, who's top offensive line free agent? I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um, offensive line free agents are always iffy because the, most of the guys, if you're a good offensive lineman, you don't usually hit free agency. That's true. Right? I so, did. I I do wonder because they they also got to figure out what they're doing offensively. Like they're fine defensively. Would they go after DK Metcalf? Like that's more yeah. the move I see them making. I since we're talking about JC Jackson, real quick here, Todd McShay just now on Twitter. Yeah. If your team can't get, if your team needs a cornerback and can't get one in round one, this class has plenty of stars that will be available on day two. Tariq Woolen is the most talented of the bunch. There you go. That's, that's your guy. Time to get all because you know, time to go all in on Tariq Wollin. I think that's kind of where I'm at. So I would love the idea, and we talked about this the other day that Zion McCollum is now like the the hipster one, yeah. Tariq Wollin. I think Tariq Wollin is too popular now. He's he got too mainstream. I'm not happy ma- about he's it. mainstream now, right? So he's the the hipster Tariq Wollin is, is Zion McCollum, and we know the Patriots were they're one of those teams that I'd much rather draft Zion McCollum in the sixth round than Tariq Wollin in the third, right? That's right. that's the way that they're going to look at it. But Tariq Woolen, the idea of Tariq Woolen or potentially double dipping at corner, going early corner of a guy that's maybe a little bit more polished, a little bit more pro-ready, a guy like Kair Ilum, for example, right? And then grabbing right. an athlete later on in the draft and hedging your bets. I did that in my, my last mock draft with Elam and, uh, and McCollum. I love that idea. I, I think that that's the way to go when you have a need. And I, I would say similarly at, at linebacker too, for the Patriots, when you have a need and you need to fill it, the draft is you got a, tw- a, a at best, like a 20% chance of hitting on the pick, right? Like the, the draft is an absolute crapshoot. I would much rather hedge my bets. If I'm the Patriots, best case scenario, you hit on both guys, right? And, and right. you got two starting corners out of it. But if it's, Tariq Woolen in, in, in a corner early that's a little bit more of a technician or it's double dipping at linebacker to fill that boy, whatever it ends up being, I think all those things should be on the table for the Patriots. Yeah, I'd agree. All right, uh, wrapping it up here, I, I do want to bring up one comment. The biggest news of the day, not Aaron Rodgers, Alex, not yeah. Russell Wilson getting traded. Wait, I got to find it. The biggest news of the day is I am now verified on Twitter, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna be excited about yeah. this for a second. What what woke up this morning? I uh, didn't do anything differently. Didn't didn't uh didn't even think twice about it. Woke up this morning, and they approved me for verification. And I gotta admit, now I feel as important as Alex Barth. Now now I feel like I have made it. We are on equal playing fields. And you can no longer tell me that you are going to quit the show because you're verified and I'm not. So there you go. No, I, I punched down on you quite a bit for that. So that's fair. I'll just say it <laughs> took you long enough to get here. Uh, I think I got mine in June. It was May or June. 
Uh, congratulations, though. I, it I did gotta, take a while. You, you got to make sure that uh, whatever you're tweeting is correct. That's what I'm saying. I, I with, feel a little with verification bit, with great verification comes great responsibility. I feel a little bit more pressure now to 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 be a big J, right? And, yeah, that'll and go not, away. Yeah, and not uh, and not tweet out anything dumb or silly. I also feel a little bit more pressure now not to clap back so much at the trolls, right? Because you got to be above that as a blue check. Here's so what I, you got to you, you can't get got. That's the big one. You can't get got, especially like this week with free agency. You got to be careful. Got to be careful. Gotta be careful. Yes. Don't get I, got. Yeah. I'm only going to tweet things that are half truths, right? Where I can back out of it and say, well, I said that this might not actually no, happen no, at the end. I, no, of no, no. I meant like when like somebody tweets from like an account that's like Adam Schefter, but like the A ah. is the at symbol, right? Yeah. You know, like you got to yeah. be careful for that. Like you're, right. you're only sharing verified information, right? That's what, that's what you got to be. But because people uh, trust me. Now they trust me a little bit more than before. Thank you very now, much. Other races on to get verified on Instagram. I don't even use Instagram. Atlas yeah, has an Instagram though. Smart. So you can go, maybe we can get Atlas verified on Instagram. I, I don't use Instagram. I'm not a big Instagrammer. I, you know, it just, it's not for me. I'm not a picture guy. Like I don't take pictures a lot. I don't, so it's just not my forum. I, I'm a takes guy. That's why I stick to Twitter. Alex and I are going to be back on Thursday. Thank you very much for the congratulations, by the way. I, I appreciate it, everybody. Alex and I are going to be back on the show on Thursday. Full free agency preview. We'll talk about external targets for the Patriots. We'll talk internal, where things stand. Trent Brown, Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, who is going to play next year. We'll talk all about those types of things on Thursday. Big free agency preview show. And then on Monday... The legal tampering period, which I still don't fully understand why it exists, but the legal tampering period opens on Monday. Technically, the league year begins on Wednesday, but here we go. I mean, today was the big checkmark day with the free agency tag, uh, the franchise tags. And uh, obviously, we didn't really see this Russell Wilson news coming, but Russell Wilson getting traded. But Monday is the day and Thursday is our preview show. So we're really excited to do that. And we'll talk about all the free agents. We'll probably take some questions or some names. You guys can throw them at us and we'll say yes or no. I'll do rapid fire if you want to do that as well on Thursday. So come back Thursday, same time, same place for free agency preview extravaganza. And then next week, Alex and I will react to all Patriots related free agency news here on the pod. And we'll uh, we'll do breaking news stuff on Patriots press pass when moves do start coming out. And I'm excited. This is an excited time of year. I'm a little bit tempering my expectations, I would say, about the Patriots being super active in free agency next week. But regardless, there's always a ton of news and there's always a ton of fun outs. I'm just pumped. Like, we might – we get in the comp picks tomorrow? We should be getting the comp picks. Last year we got them on the 10th of March. Which was a Wednesday. We looked, we looked this up yesterday. Yeah. So it should be – tomorrow or the teams need to know their draft capital before they can go into free agency. Right. I mean, that's right. So so here's the thing. If we get the cop picks tomorrow, mock draft, we could do a mock draft. That's all I want to do. That was so much fun. last year. I just want to do mock. Oh, we're going to do plenty of them. We're going to do plenty of them. I, I think, I I think I was watching free agency mock drafts are tough. I do them. We all do them. But I think they are tough because you just don't like, look, if they sign Allen Robinson next week, then we don't need to mock Chris Olave to the Patriots in the first round. Right. I mean, he's not getting to the Patriots, but okay. 
you know what I mean, right? Like yeah. free agency mock pre-free agency mock drafts are tough. I'm just I'm in the mindset. Like I was watching college baseball last night, and there's this guy on Utah, Matthew Sox, dominant starting pitcher. And I'm like, man, the Red Sox should draft this guy. Like, that's just where my brain is at right now. I need to do it. I need to do it. I need my fix. Alex is easily one of the most locked in baseball draft nerds that I've, I did not know. Oh, it's the tip of the iceberg. I did not know there was so much to know about the MLB draft until I met Alex and he started to break down rule fives. And it's the worst draft. It's very stupid. It's the worst draft. It's very stupid. It's 40 rounds. You can't trade picks. It's nonsense. Just really quickly. It's a draft. I don't want to get off on a tangent about. Oh wait, no! Here's the thing: we normally go at least an hour. We're at 55 minutes. Yeah. Actually, should we throw a quick Boston sports minute in here? Yes, we can do that. Quite a bit going on. Why is it 40 rounds? Like, what? What's the like? What's the logic there? And does it actually in my day in 1908? Like, because it's been that way forever in baseball. But does it actually make sense? Like, is there actually a guy that you can point to that was drafted in the 40th round and turned out to be a Hall of Famer or even like an All Star? Oh, it, well, see, here's the thing. The baseball, the baseball draft is the biggest crapshoot. Like, guys all over the draft, because you take a kid in the 40th round who's 18, you don't really know what he's going to be. Right. The other reason it's 40 rounds is because teams only – teams sign, like, half their draft picks, if that. Did Pujols go in the 40th? I, he went – I don't know when he went. But, um, yeah, teams only sign, like, half their draft picks. Teams draft guys knowing full well they're not going to sign them. Yes. So it's – again, the whole thing's a mess. It should be – I get why there's more rounds. You need to fill the minor leagues. Should be 10 rounds. Let teams trade picks. And then if you want to do a minor league draft on your own time, rounds 20, you know, rounds 11 through 40 where you can't trade picks and it's just minor leaguers do that. I don't care. Should be 10 rounds. Let teams trade picks. Do an, They're going to add a lottery, which I hate draft lotteries, but fine. Do a normal draft like a normal league and people get into it. College baseball is a great product. You can help grow the game, but no, baseball has to keep things the way they were. You know, everybody's like, you know, well, baseball, you know, it's been this way since 1920. All right. We didn't have like polio vaccines back then. Sometimes things change for the better. That's baseball. Baseball, um, baseball is that Boston sports. Yeah. Well, we're on this. Okay. Really yeah. quickly. I will apologize. I will also say that if you want great Celtics coverage, the guys over, on the Celtics YouTube channel, do a fantastic job. They really do a great job. Bobby Manning and uh, the team over there, they cover the team better than anybody else. So make sure to go and follow them, uh, the Celtics guys on Celtics CLNS. But really quickly, I do apologize. I do own up to my mistakes on this podcast. I was wrong early going about the Celtics team this year. Ime Adoka has proven me wrong. And I think most importantly, out of all of this, Alex, I am willing to admit that Marcus Smart has proved me wrong over the last month or so. But I will say that I think Marcus Smart has changed the way that he plays, right? I I do think that some of this was not, we weren't completely wrong about saying that Marcus Smart shot too many uh, three-pointers and did too much, but now he's playing his role. And everybody seems to be playing their roles. That's a credit to Ime Adoka. Jason Tatum is absolutely a superstar. Nick Wright can kiss my keister. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, you know, I think bringing up Ime, I think that's a big part of it. I think early in the year, he still looked like he was figuring things out. And that's not unexpected. He's a first-time head right. coach. Of course, there's going to be some of that. I, I think 
he's really comfortable now. I think he's comfortable with this team. He's learned this team. I think they're comfortable with him. I think they figured out what rotations they like. I think they figured out, you know, um, different, you know, how they want to run things on the floor. They've really ramped up defensively. So obviously, you know, Tatum Brown, they're playing great credit to them, but a huge shout out to Ime Udoka because he was, you know, people were starting to talk about him as a potential one and done coach. And he really, I think he's a big reason they flipped the script. He was excellent. It is a Patriot show. We we do this sometimes at the end. We do five minutes of Boston sports. Humor us. Jeez Louise. Last one. Bruins need to stop allowing goals in the final 30 seconds of games. Oh, yeah, that would be killing nice. me. Yeah. It's two that, in a row they've done that. Okay. Well, the first, the one uh, a couple nights ago, th- there was a clock malfunction or something. And, and that one was a little bit questionable. But I think the good thing about the Bruins is that it clearly when Swayman is in the net, they are a good team, right? When that guy's in the net, they're a tough out. They're a tough team to beat. And he's going to be the one that they're going to ride in the playoffs anyways. Yeah. So. It's just with the rookie goal, it's kind of like we talked about. Fine, you want us to bring it back to the Patriots. It's kind of like with Mac Jones last year. When you get late in the year, you have a rookie. You have a guy who hasn't played this Well, I think that's season. why they're letting Olmark still go every other pretty much with Swayman, right? Right, to keep him fresh. But it's yeah. there's a mental element to it too. Look, I, I I think like Swayman's the real deal. I think he can play, and I think they're a good team. I just worry about. We just did this with Mac Jones. I'm going to say yeah. it. I hate the term. I'm going to say it. I worry about the rookie wall with Jeremy yeah. Swayman. So he just won Player of the Month. He's been excellent, but at the yeah, same I, time, I worry about him hitting the wall. You know that sport. If a goalie gets hot, a goalie gets that's hot. True. That right? is true. And they can yeah. ride a hot goalie like all the way to the Stanley Cup. Like that's that's how that works. What was a uh, I hate to bring it up, but was uh, Bennington, was he a rookie, right, with the Blues? I think he was, yeah. Yeah, like it's not unprecedented in that sport for a young he goalie to do it. He now. He's like awful. He's been yeah. awful since then. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's a fair point. It is possible. Just as long as they stop allowing goals in the final 30 seconds. If I get one more notification on my phone, you know, Bruins tie game, 20 seconds to go. Like the hell's yeah. going on here? Absolutely. Celtics banner 18. Absolutely. I'm really pumped up. I'm going on Sunday for KG's retirement uh, with my dad. Uh, We're going to the game. Not only is it KG's retirement, Luka Doncic also coming to Boston, the Mavs uh, during the the actual game itself is going to be awesome. There's going to be a bunch of Celtics people, Pierce, KG, all those guys are going to be there to watch the game and uh, to uh, honor KG. I've never been, I went to, uh, we were actually at the Bruins game when Willie O'Ree's number got uh, retired for the Bruins a few months ago, but I've never been to a a KG level retirement ceremony, right? So this is going to be a whole lot of fun. I've never done, uh, seen anything like that. So I'm excited for it. And yes, this is a football show. We talked about football for the first 56 minutes of the show. Uh, We're going to talk about football on Thursday with free agency and uh, hopefully get the full draft order as well. But thanks uh, so much for humoring us with the Boston Sports couple of minutes there and alex and i will be back on thursday to talk about football we promise we can leave the uh well alex talks about everything but i'll leave the celtics and and the bruins talk to to uh celtics and uh the other evan marinovsky and uh and bobby manning and the crew but until thursday signing off for alex barth i'm evan lazar Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Be, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.